Thank you for downloading this episode of the Football Purist Podcast. For more episodes, go to www.footballpurist.com and you can also find us at iTunes. Talk On Podcast is back for an end of the season review. I am the most positive host that, that's out there. Um, you guys all know me, never been pessimistic. You guys are getting the 13-14 Joey, um, where nothing can go wrong now. Uh, so don't worry, guys. Uh, we're good from here on out. Going to go back to it. Probably my guess is maybe a quarter of the way through the season, uh, he'll, he'll come back. But you know what? As of right now, couldn't be happier. Uh, so... Gentlemen, we um, we got a top four place. It was in our hands. We were talking about it for the last couple weeks, and we ended up locking that spot up and Arsenal missing out for the first time, I think, in 22 years. Uh, so here to talk about kind of the, the end of the season review, I'm going to go through a bunch of questions, kind of players of the year in each position, not each position, but in, in uh, defense, midfield, and attack go through some of uh, the, the highlights of the season and talk about what to look forward to this summer. So tonight, joined by Jeff Hallett in Orange County. Jeff, how you doing? Doing great, man. Good to be back. Good to have you back. And joined by Brian Painter, who's in New York right now. Brian, good to have you What's back. What's up, right? Joey? I love, I love positivity. <laughs> hey, he's here. He's here to stay for, you know, you never know how long, but he's here at least for this one podcast. It's, it's so. still our first transfer deal. There you go, right? He's, he's here for one podcast. Our first mistransfer. <laughs> uh, brilliant. Anyways, gentlemen. Okay, so relevant question. Before we get into a bunch of different questions about the season, I wanted to, to ask you guys about a more relevant one as well. Uh, Michael Owen recently, uh, he said when he was uh, talking about Man United, said we a bunch of times, and so someone got a petition going to uh, try and get Michael Owen out as a club ambassador, because uh, right now he is a club ambassador of Liverpool Football Club. Um, and so I think it actually just reached 15K, the, the petition that was signed. I saw that going around. I know Ali G sent it to us. I thought it was hilarious. So if, in fact, Michael Owen, uh, they review his position and, and see that, all right, the fans want you out, uh, you're out of here, who would you want to fill his spot? I know John Arde Risa came on Twitter recently and said he would be honored to have it. But if you had to pick a former Liverpool player to now come on as a club ambassador, who would you want to pick? Painter. That's a, that's a tough question. Um, I think, I think there's a couple obvious choices. Um, and it, it's judging by who they picked uh, for the Australian trip. So I think Danny Agger would be probably my first off the cuff uh, choice. He's uh, he's, a, he's a legend at the club. He had a great career. He loves Liverpool more than, you know, most people from Liverpool. Uh, so I got to pick Danny Agger for me. That's a great shout. What do you got, Hallett? Yeah, looking at the legends playing on, alongside this club in Sydney versus Sydney, um, 
McNaniman was the one for me. He still looks in shape. Liverpool guy, obviously great player. So I would thrust him in. One of my favorite wingers we've had. I know everyone was, still use. had their hearts broken when he went to Madrid. But anyways, uh, definitely good shout. I mean, he's he's still part of the club in a lot of different ways too. So it'd be awesome to have him back. I would. The one that's not likely at all to happen, but I wish would happen, is just bring Jabby back. I want Jabby Alonso as close to Liverpool oh, Football yeah. Club as possible. Be fun That's to have. That's a great like, job. He would love that. Like you know, Stevie's there now, so obviously they're they're really good friends in real life. Everyone knows that, so it'd be awesome to have him back in the city. I think as he's just retiring, I'm sure he wants to have some time with his family, and and hopefully, I mean that that would be my my choice. I would love to have him back at the club in any way, shape, or form, especially because when you when you're having a club ambassador and you're you know maybe talking to a young player even just any player who's coming in that you want to sign for a transfer maybe and you have Jabby in the room with you uh, you know next to Stevie and they both won things and and Jabby has won you know world cup and league titles in both Germany and Spain that's just someone who you know can talk you into it maybe or you just look at him like okay this is what is representing Liverpool so uh, I would love to have him in there that's a great shout Let's continue. Gentlemen, it's uh, it's a really positive podcast, except for the Manx winning the Europa League. That is the only negative. got to throw that one out. Yeah, that's, I think i got to get something negative out at some point in the podcast, so I just, <laughs> I'll throw it out right there, and now it's over with. Now we can just focus on the positive. Um, on the positives, excuse me. So let's just get your overall thoughts on the season, uh, because let's also kind of mix that into, did this season essentially live up to your expectation because I know it was kind of a roller coaster of emotions. You know, before the the season started, I think we all said all we have to focus on in the league is the league. So top four is the minimum requirement. That was if if we didn't make top four, I think all of us can agree that that would have been essentially a failure, a very disappointing season. Um, But then, you know, we come out of the gates firing and Everyone around, you know, Christmas time is thinking, oh, you know, we can challenge Chelsea for the, the league title. So, you know, maybe in your head it was kind of, you know, at that point you were thinking, well, second, I guess, you know, w- would be now kind of the minimum requirement because we're in the title race. And then obviously the form in January dips back down. So it was definitely a roller coaster of emotions. But in general, Hal, it, it was the season successful for you and, and kind of your overall thoughts on the season? Successful for me, yeah. Klopp came in, you know, towards the latter part of last season, got who he got in terms of the side in the summer, whether it was Michael Edwards, him, some combination of those two plus transfer committees as it exists today. They didn't bring in the players that they needed. And they had, and we've talked about this ad nauseum, so many gaps knowing Mane was heading out for AFCON and you needed backup. You needed depth on that squad, and they just didn't get enough, and that was borne out in the results. That's why Jan Feb was so difficult. Unfortunately, Henderson is not showing the durability last few seasons. You kind of wonder what his future is going to be with the club. And we started the benefits of Klopp's offense were so abundantly clear. You bring in... You know, you got the players, you got, you had Mane, who could mistake the first half, the opening of the season. We were all flying high and we were challenging for the title even through December. And then, then January happened. Then, then 17 came through and Jan and Feb were difficult. And then 
that bled into performances in the domestic cups, you know, got bounced out of both FA and, and league cup. And then it came, okay, so we're not challenging for the title and top four is in danger. What the fuck? How is the team going to go forward through the end of the season? And it was to your point, Joey, a lot of biting fingernails and, you know, white knuckles as we went out through the balance of the schedule and if you look at the side, if you looked at the you know injuries to Mane that took him out for the season, and Henderson, and you know Emre that started for most of the first half injured coming off the Euros, I mean, squad was really held together with, as I've been saying, duct tape, you know, duct tape, chewing gum, toothpicks by Klopp. And to answer your point about was it a success? I mean, it sure as hell was in the first half. Uh, it was heartbreaking for all of that, challenging for the title in, as we entered Jan Feb to have the, the letdown that we did and then being bounced out of the domestic cops. And then towards the end of the year, as we held it all together and achieved at least qualification, we'll be able to play our way into Champions League, which is going to affect the transfers in the offseason. Klopp needed to bring top-quality talent in i mean he needs to not just bring in two he needs probably five players on that roster uh quality players elite players at least two of those five and he's not he wouldn't have been able to get it if he didn't deliver that result so if i'm going to give him a letter grade a through f i'm going to give him a solid b for the season i was I, i was impressed with the progress i mean it was what do we go from eighth to we finished fourth that's progress in the premier league fixtures the table didn't get the didn't get any trophies but it sets us up to get the right side so we can actually achieve them next year right fair and i mean you know it's it's definitely true you had mentioned some of the injuries that hurt us uh painter you know knowing that money was going to be leaving you know for afcon didn't even you know so take injuries aside you knew he was going to be gone and the fact that we didn't get somebody in january left a, a, a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths including mine i mean i i just i was really upset that that we didn't get anyone and thought that you know if we did if we went out and spend the money then it could have helped us continue on that title push jeffy also pointed out that you know, it was progress. And I think if our form had kind of turned, you know, if, if we were playing like we had at the sort of in the second half of the season, like we did at the beginning, and then you take our first half of the season, then that's how we were, you know, that was our form at the end of the season. I think a lot more people would be excited about the team and where we are going. So it's it's just kind of all about how you, you look at it. Um, and in, in the last, what, six, seven games, we had a really good run. I think, didn't we have like five clean sheets in the last six games, something like that? So... Yeah. Um, we, you know, we, we ended on a good run of form, but, but painter, I mean, back to kind of the, the injury subject, because, you know, Hendo is going to be out for a while. We don't know what to deal with that is. And we'll get into some of the, the injury talk in a little bit, but just in terms of us in the January transfer window, how do you think not buying affected, you know, our, the rest <clears> of our <throat> season? Well, if I, if I just look at the season as a whole, right, it, it's, I think it's, for me, it's job done. Right, we we set out with a goal of getting into the top four. We achieved that goal. Uh, would a couple deeper cup runs would have been nice, but um, the the goal for the season was always get into the top four. And keep in mind, there were six teams, six quality teams uh, that challenged for that top four spot, uh, and we beat out Arsenal and United. Right, so 
it's not like we, you know, we jumped over uh, Hoffenheim or something like that for, we jumped over major clubs that have massive deep pockets and huge spending budgets. So from that perspective, you got to call the season a success. Were there some items that need to be fixed? Sure. The not buying for money, as you point out, uh, when he goes on holiday, or not holiday, but he goes on uh, uh, the African Cup of Nations, was a miss. I do think, though, that buying somebody of Mane's ilk in January is just a tough proposition full stop. So I don't know what you could have got done or what was available. Um, and Because none of the other top teams bought in, in, in the Premier League either, right? So it was a pretty quiet January. Yeah, but you most. could argue we were going to need that. And also the Teixeira deal, you know, um, they I think it was... I know it was a whole mix-up and it was crazy, like we had agreed the fee and then they wanted more. You know, FSG were willing to give the money. Uh, they, they, I think it was what they only wanted 10, 15 more mil, and, and FSG were were willing to give that. But it, you know, coming back to Klopp a little bit, it, you know, he said, "Oh, that player is not worth that," and didn't want him. Now, hindsight's you know a wonderful thing, and, and the fact that we got fourth, it's you know you can sit here saying like you know it's you know. It's it's okay now, but if we had just finished two points below where we are now, this could be a whole different story. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, I mean, uh, you know, any type of professional level sport, there's fine margins that separates good from great. You know what I mean? So, um, I guess I guess the other thing I would say caused a bigger issue for Klopp was the rash of injuries between uh, you know from Firmino and Coutinho and Lalana and Henderson. Any of the top sides lose five of their best players, arguably five of their top six best players, are going to have a dip in form. That just is what it is. Like You, you can't replace that many top quality players. Um, you might be able to replace two or three, but when you're talking about five you know, of your top six, that's really tough for any side to do. Um, should we have bought? Yeah, you can make an argument. We should have bought uh, at least one player, a pacey winger, uh, in the January transfer window didn't happen. Uh, but you saw once people got healthy, if you look at the run that we went on from the beginning of March and everybody's talking kind of, kind of gotten under my skin a little bit. Everybody's talking about how we limped over the line. But if you look at the run from the beginning of March, since the loss at Leicester, we played 14 games. We had a 10, one and three record. Or 33 out of a possible 42 points. That's a 2.35 points per game average, which if you extrapolate that out over the course of a season, it's 89.5 points um, over a 38-game season. So, I mean, that's ridiculously good. Regardless of, you know, what it looked like um, at the time we were watching it, the results are the results. Um, You know, you grind out wins – United used to be famous for this uh, in a lot of their championship winning sides. So we scored 23 goals over that same 14 games or for a modest 1.64 goals per game, which isn't great um, considering the firepower that we were unleashing in the first half of the season. But here's where I think people are not recognizing. You touched on it uh, briefly uh, a few minutes ago. We were Over those 14 games, we conceded 0.64 goals per game. And in the last six games, we only gave up two goals, and those were to Crystal Palace, and we kept five clean sheets. So for me, I think that is why I'm very bullish on 
the start of next season because defensively we looked light years better than you know we ever have in the in the recent memory. I mean, we used to sh- we sh- we ship goals or fifty goals every season, but if you extrapolate that out over the course of a season, you know you're talking you know less than thirty goals in a season if you're averaging point six four goals conceded, mm-hmm. something thereabouts. So. Uh, I think Klopp has really, you know, found a good groove, and I do think that once Mane comes back and we add a couple more uh, top end players, you know, I think the sky's the limit for this team heading into uh, next season. Yeah, it's a, definitely exciting to see that we're not selling any players, right? So, uh, you know, we're I guess the last couple summers we're sort of used to just having to offload a lot of players. The players that we're going to be offloading with the exception of Sturridge um, and obviously the Sacco situation, um, aren't you know huge players, aren't players that are really getting in anywhere near our, our first 11 right now. So uh, with maybe the exception of Lucas as well. But, um, you know, it's we're not losing any, any key players, you know, and there is still a chance that Sturridge will stay. So just like you said, you know, we're going to be adding to this squad and it's going to be just players that only players that can help and, and get – kind of into the first 11 because Klopp knows we have a lot of young players that are trying to make their way up into the team. So hopefully we're kind of at this period now where we're not continuing to buy these younger players that we're waiting to see, you know, succeed. I'm hoping we're going to be buying players in the age range of, you know, 24 to 28 to, you know, just kind of in their prime. And that's the hope. Um, so let, Painter, I know, I know that Hallett gave Klopp kind of a B Hallett. If, if you want to go into that a little bit more and explain why you think that, because um, I, I did want to talk to you guys about Klopp and kind of how you thought he did as a whole, you know, including maybe some of his transfer business because, or, you know, lack thereof as well. But you can, you can also include his transfer business, you know, this, this summer as well. Sure. Um, so, so kind of just as a whole, where would you, you grade Klopp out and, and why? Jeff, since yeah. you since you gave him a B, let, let's go, just go here. I, I want to hear kind of why you would give him a, a B overall, and then uh, Painter, I'll go back to you. I want to hear what you have to say as well. Okay, sure. Okay, um, the B, which averages out as, as an A, if we're going to do the one to ten scale, don't really know how to grade on the transfers, right? I mean, it's not just him involved. There's Edwards. There's a team, and how did that break down? I I don't fault FSG for it, but Klopp has got first and last call on transfers, so he's involved, but it's not just him in the boat by himself rowing. It's him plus Edwards plus a few other people, so it's really tough to know. So I'm going to set that aside. Performance during the season, first half, how could you argue? I mean, it was a screaming A coming out of December, really, and then Jan, Feb, <laughs> you know, averaged out like for some of those months, delivered an F in, in certain cases just because the tra- the results of the transfer, I know I'm trying to keep that out of the discussion, but you looked at the performance of the side when injuries went down, you know, they were missing leadership on the pitch that has something to do with personnel. It also has something to do with coaching and, you know, the curious experiment didn't work out. So you started to find fault and Klopp towards the midpoint of the season as we went through our toughest moments. But as he finished it out, Painter mentioned it earlier, he, it was job done. He accomplished the goal. We've been really after top four for the last two seasons under Klopp. 
didn't achieve it last year, got close in Europa League, and if not for Moreno and some other breakdowns versus Sevilla, might have had it, but much tougher field than United this year, obviously. But this year we achieved it, and we haven't had that, Joey, to your point about positive Joey. We haven't heard it since 13-14, haven't achieved top four since 13-14. So it was a big deal for the club and a big deal for the transfers in the offseason, and the way they strung together, you heard the stats from Painter, you probably hear more, how they maintain composure through the final games to deliver the result. You've got to, that, that's how it averages out as a B. Um, had kind of the hero's journey through the midpoint of the season. At the end, he finished strong, and there was enough leadership on that pitch and quality in the form of Emerjan. I mean, who could forget that goal? I'll go into that more later, but um, that, that goal away at Wofford. I mean, it's all these individual moments that made the difference, and we accomplished the result. Yeah, no, fair fair shot. I mean, it's a solid grade to give. I don't think many people would disagree. It's it's sort of a job done, right? You know, this our goal, everyone at the beginning of the season, you know, top four at least, and, and he, he achieved that. So completely understand why you're giving him that grade. Uh, you know, Painter, what about you, brother? Do you have... What about, I guess, some of the things tactically maybe, you know, include some, how, his, how he substitutes? Because I know, you know, some of us have kind of been a little irked with, you know, how he plays his substitutions in games and um, just that side of it as well um, into your yeah. final grade. Yeah, I, so I'm going to give him a seven, seven, uh, seven and a half out of five, uh, out of ten. And there's a couple reasons for it. One, this is his first full season in the Premier League, right? I know he had a, a, the lion's share of the season prior, but right. for the most part, this is you know this is his first official full season. And in the beginning of this year, he came out of the traps flying, um, and he playing high pressing, gagging pressing, you know whatever you want to call it. And every pundit on the planet told him he couldn't play that the entire season um, and at that high intensity and high pressure system. And what did it, what did it prove out? Uh, the pundits and the other people in the industry were exactly right. Um, so he had to come up with a different way to play uh, these games. And especially the games where, uh, you know, we were playing the lower half of the side uh, or lower half of the table. It wasn't very good at, in a lot of cases. Uh, we were dropping points. Uh, but I think he figured out uh, towards the back end run over the last 14 games what he needed to do in order to get points off of those teams uh, that they deserved, right? So he, he tightened it up defensively, didn't allow them to break on the counter, and then he let the quality of Coutinho, of Firmino, uh, and to a lesser extent, uh, Lalana and Jean win the day in those games. So all in all, I thought it was a good learning experience for Klopp. And if anything gives you positivity heading into next year, um, and why I think next year is going to be a real, real fun season, uh, he's undefeated against the top six teams in the, in the country, right? So, right. you know, in the big games, and he proved the year before with a very strong Europa run that tournament football he gets especially european tournament football so i'm excited to see what he's going to do next year uh once he gets more players around uh that you know will give us some more depth um but i, I think tactically 
you know, his, his substitutions left a lot to be desired. And again, if you look over the last 14 games of, of the season on that fantastic run in, you know, he learned a lot, right? He, he, he subbed Firmino and Coutinho on 45 at Stoke. Uh, he brought Sturridge on early, uh, three games left to go in, in, in the year to change the, change the complexion of, uh, of that game. So, um, that's, that's what I think he's learned over the course of the season. And I think it puts us in good stead for the sec, uh, for the start of the next season and throughout the, you know, the 2017, 18 campaign. So, um, but, you know, in terms of as a whole, I would say, I would say seven and a half out of 10. And, and for all the reasons we mentioned, didn't buy in January, uh, took him three quarters of a season to figure out how to substitute right. Um, and play against the the lower half side. So, um, you know, again, I think it's good, great progress, good, great progress, uh, whatever you want to say. But, uh, but a seven and a half half out of ten for me. Yeah, great shouts by both of you guys. I mean, I'm kind of right in there uh, with both of you, kind of in that seven and a half to to eight range. You know, for a lot of the reasons that you said, I think some. Okay, so some of the things that I really like about him, and some of the things that. I think he is improving, and obviously every manager is, you know, is able to take to take criticism. I would say that the things that made me lean more towards the upper end of the scale were, you know, he's a player's coach, right? So he makes each player feel like they are, you know, meant to be where at Liverpool, um, whether they're playing or not. He is great with the young uh, kids, and and you know he didn't have a lot of choice throughout the season to to have to play some of them, but he also gave a lot of them a chance when he didn't necessarily need to, and you'd love to see that from a manager. Um, he, I think he we we'd probably the honestly I I think we 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 talked about this we we probably had the sixth best squad in in the Premier League this season, and he got top four with that squad, um, so he. Probably, even though all we had to do was really focus on the league, I would say he achieves slightly overachieved with the squad and the injuries that we had. So I think those were a lot of the positives. Some of the negatives, Painter, you mentioned some of the substitutions uh, bugged me a little bit. It seemed like he waited a little too long to get some players into the game. Uh, and you mentioned that run-in that he changed the system up near the end of the season, dropped Coutinho, put Sturridge in. My argument is why didn't you do that earlier? Why didn't you change the system up earlier? I mean, I know he's learning. He's learned a lot throughout the in, in the Premier League this season. That's why I'm definitely giving him the benefit of the doubt because, you know, you had pointed out we beat all the top teams where we have not lost to one of the top six teams in the Premier League, and then we lost to a lot of the shitty teams in the Premier League. So he has a lot to learn. He's he knows that he might have to play a different way now against some of those teams. Uh, and he, he wasn't used to, to coming up against those types of sides uh, that just sit back and play anti-football. So, you know, he is learning a lot. Um, and that, that, again, gives him a little bit of benefit of the doubt. But, you know, for me, it just took too long. And, you know, why not drop Coutinho back earlier? Why not play? I was calling for Sturridge to start, you know, four games before he got a sniff. Near the was Sturridge healthy though? Yeah, I think he was though. He's, there's, but, you guys, but, there's been times where ninety though. I what? mean, or full sixty. I, I mean, but he can't. Like my argument is, how long? Like if you're trying to, he's at the point if he's on the bench for multiple games in a row, he's able to play more than fifteen to twenty minutes. That's just what it is. So when Origi is not exactly impressing, or when he gets his chances, maybe it's because Robles can't stand in the middle of the goal. 
um, and just make an easy <laughs> save. Like, listen, I, I don't hate Origi, but when you have someone with the quality storage, this was just my opinion. I was calling for him to start earlier, and fucking lo and behold, he comes in and he impacts the game right away. I don't care if he doesn't have the exact same pace. I don't care if people say he doesn't fit the system. We, we simply play better when he's on the pitch, and so... That was just one of my gripes, I guess, throughout the season was just why didn't he switch to that earlier? Why didn't he maybe start Sturridge? And if Sturridge could only play 30, 35 minutes, well, oh, well. You know, he plays those 30, 35 minutes. But I, I would rather him play 30 to 35 or even a full 45 in the first than 10 minutes at the end of the game. And Well, this whole game is, like, ruled by sports science. And he's got access to intel on Danny and all of his issues with his thigh. I mean, the game to, of operation. I, I love that. I don't disagree. Um, that could be part of it. But part of me is also thinking that he just knows he might not be here this season and he wants to get a little bit more out of Rigi. It could just be a stubbornness type of thing. It could be. There's no mistaking Origi had a bad season. It was not a good follow-up to last season. So that's point taken. I mean uh, – I, I don't disagree. I don't agree with that. I don't think. I mean, Origi was. He. It, I don't know. I don't. I don't agree with that, Jeff. I don't he, think he had a, a, a drastically different season. He didn't have than a he poor season, season, but yeah, he did the season before. He didn't have a poor season, but when we were watching him this season, it's clear that he just can't be solo up front in a four-three-three. A because he can't win any goddamn headers. He can't, his hold-up play Which is, is amazing for a six-foot-three-four guy. Jesus. He, his hold-up play isn't great. I've always said I find him more of a wing-type player on the left of a 4-3-3. That's where a lot of his goals came from, too. So, um, I, Did again, you see him regress from last year on holding, holding the ball up? I, I felt like he regressed. In that, he that, was actually yes. good at that last year and yeah. not this year. Yeah, I don't know how. I don't know. I don't think he was that great at it last year, and I've, he certainly wasn't good at it this year. There were some games where he was unplayable. Um, last year, and there were some games he was unplayable. This year, I, I I don't know. I'm I'm just not. I'm just not. I'm I'm just saying for a 19, 20 year old kid, uh, he's got you know he's got a he's got a ton of talent. He's got a ton of upside, and you know he cannot lead the line right now at his age. And hopefully, he becomes that player. Um, but he's just going to need more game time. I just, I don't. I, it's a lot to ask for a kid that age to come in and be the lead, lead the line for Liverpool. There's True. just something about him. I don't, I don't know what it is. I just don't see a killer instinct. I don't see the same movement that, you know, he can still learn all this. He's still, like you say, he's like 21 years old, but he, I just, for some reason, I don't see, see that like killer instinct as a striker. I just see him a little bit more on the left side of a wing if he's going to play there. Or I think we saw the best out of him and we see the best out of Sturridge as well when they're in a two up front, right? So they can play off each other. They were looking a lot better together kind of as a partnership. Um, so, you know, if you don't have that Firmino who can kind of do all things well, uh, he's great at holding up the ball and then letting the wings run off, run off of him, whether it was Coutinho this year or Mane or whoever it was. Um, in that system, it's hard to just see him up front there. Uh, so we'll see as it goes along. But uh, let's just, guys, let's lead that into sort of the, the, the players of the season that we thought in, in each you know part of the park, uh, in each part of the pitch. So let's start with the back five. Uh, so Mignolet included and Carius included and manager included because, you know, what if, if it wasn't for manager push, pushing uh, Carius, you know, then Carius wouldn't be able to push uh, Mignolet. So it all comes down to the 33-year-old, really, 34-year-old uh, maybe. Uh, but, gents, Back five included. Uh, I need your your player of the season and why. So, Painter, we'll start with you, brother. It's easy. It's Mignolet. Uh, 
and he he was amazing uh, the last five months of the season, uh, and arguably shouldn't have been dropped for Karius in the first part of the season because he was playing pretty good then too. Uh, it's been his best year in a Liverpool uh, jersey since he came uh, oh, by easily, a wide margin. Yeah. yeah, by a wide margin. Uh, and the saves he pulled off on the run-in basically saved us top four. So uh, we always banged on about you know goalies earning you 10 to 12 points a season. I think he did that and then some. I mean, I can name uh, countless times where uh, he saved us you know, a lot of points, uh, especially during that run-in. So for me, it's an easy choice. It's Mignolet, um, and I'm excited to see him come back next season. Uh, I can't believe I'm actually fucking saying that. <laughs> no, it's crazy to think about, right? <laughs> it is crazy. It, it, it's nuts to think that. Uh, Hallett, what do you got, man? It'd be a great flashback to our earlier pods. We were talking about the opposite, like, let's get Karius to roll up. Um, yeah, you couldn't pick anybody but Mignolet in terms of the back line. Um, so the only thing I would add to that is, you know, the competition really played out. So, you know, he is the best that he's ever looked in a Liverpool shirt, and I think he'll only improve. And it'll be interesting to see what Liverpool does in the offseason. If they add help, if Karius ends up being the number two, but it, we've been saying it all season through, certainly the balance of the second half, the competition, the coaching. This really is on Klopp, his coaches, and personnel, like getting an actual capable <laughs> second in there uh, to battle. You know, Painter mentioned like him arguably losing his, his job early in the season. I would argue that that pushed him i mean that's part of what made him produce the performance he did is actually all, losing his job when he thought he shouldn't have he's so. always responded though jeff i mean every time he's been challenged with a setback uh even the season before he's responded you know what i mean it's true. So, it's true um he just responded in a much much bigger way this time around which is which was amazing. I've never which you could which you could argue like he lost his job. I sure. mean, there was no easy path back on the pitch for how many games was it? Like four or five after that until Carrius finally wet the bed enough to be sat down. So it, I think faced with I'm not going to be playing again for a while, it triggered a different menula. That's just my own theory. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy that we're we're having him in in the conversation right that uh we're talking about him being one of the players of the season and it's it's hard to argue really it just is uh he definitely had some game-changing saves this year there's no doubt about it um my problem is and let me let me first say that i understand that goalies goalkeepers tend to Kind of like, you know, fine wines, they tend to actually get better with age, uh, especially around like, you know, around the third, 28 to 30 year mark, I feel like where, is where a lot of keepers kind of really find their groove. And he, he is getting better. There's, there's no doubt about that. But it's just so hard for me to look at him and say I'm really excited for him next season when I've had four seasons of looking at him and, and just seeing the overall picture now. I'm not upset with him going into the season. If if he holds up what he did near the end of the season, I think he was like ending up in the last however many weeks it was in the save percentage, like the mid seventies, something like that. And he was really improving, and his his punching has gotten better this year. There's still things he can improve on, but he he definitely was a crucial part uh, of our you know top four, so to speak, running. Um, 
But I mean, Joey, just, it's just so Joey, hard though, Painter. It's like Joey, know. but like I mean, have you ever seen a goalie improve that much from what he was doing in terms of just catching the ball, punching the ball on crosses, and coming out for it? I, I've never seen such improvement in a short, such a short, too, short span of time. I mean, it can't be an anomaly because he, he Why not, it was though? basic. I, I'm, listen, it can be, I guess, but um, but if you've seen him do it. Then you know you know he's got it in his locker. And right. He's consistent over over a three month period of time. I don't know, man. I I don't think there's a there, there's too many goalkeepers that were on a better run of form over the last you know four months of the season than Minule. Oh, I don't argue with you on that. But that's also my point is it's a run of form. There's there's players. You know, people say form is temporary and class is permanent. I just don't know if Minule has that class. Listen, he's. I'm, I, I, he's going in as the number one keeper next year. I, I don't think anyone's arguing that. I, I don't. I'm not going to argue that as well. But part of it's like, well, was this run of form just because like he finally stepped up now that Carius has been there? He's always had a confidence issue. Did he need to like continue to be pat, you know, pat on the back by Klopp and and you know just have that kind of treatment? That's that's kind of what kind of worries me. Still, when he yells, still in the back, you still don't hear his defense listening to him. Um, Again, says I'm something about to, the defense, though, right? That's, <laughs> we didn't that's pick true. anybody else in that back line but for a reason. Yeah, but if we're picking Minule as the guy in the back line, wouldn't you expect him? You want him to be your leader back there? It's, it's. I'm trying not to knock Minule because there's no doubt I was very, very happy with his performance throughout the season. All I'm saying is I'm worried, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself thinking that this is going to last. And don't. And a lot of people are already calling Carius a bust. I. I would not agree with that at all. People know what he did in the Bundesliga. I mean, he was he was where he was, and he was voted uh, PFA, I think, second behind Neuer of the year uh, the yeah. year before he came to us for a reason. Like he, the the guy's a good keeper, and I think that's why Minule has succeeded a lot this season because he's been pushed by him in training. Whereas before he had what Brad Jones and Bogdan, he had no competition. So. Now he's, <laughs> seriously though, now like competition. I know Brad, hear Brad Jones and Bogdan as uh, as the competition. Dude, but Brad Uh-oh, Jones at Feyenoord. Look out for that year. corner. Um, Brad Jones had a good season in the. Um, I know. He was I with know. Cout uh, this year, but anyways, uh, we can move back. Um, from uh, the one the one argument I will have uh, if I had to pick someone else just to kind of play devil's advocate is Joel Matip, uh, <laughs> just for the sole fact that is. If we did not have Joel Matip this season, I mean, how many more goals would we have conceded, really? Because it would have been an absolute mess if we did not bring him in. Thinking about Klavan basically starting all season, maybe Lucas having to start a lot of the season back there. Um, so just his presence, and, and a lot of people would argue maybe Nathaniel Klein, just because he was very consistent throughout the season. But I think if we didn't have Joel Matip, I mean, not not praising him to an extent that, you know, he's he still, I think, has a lot to improve on. But, I mean, without him, we would have been, holy hell, we would have, if we were already yeah, pretty been, terrible at the back, we would have been for, way worse without him. So, If you if you look at uh, the last 14 games of the season when actually him and Lovren were healthy, um, you know, and playing alongside of each other where they could get a little bit of rhythm, they actually played pretty, pretty, pretty damn well. Yeah, <laughs> you know did. what I mean? So uh, long may that continue in clean sheets. Uh, but I agree with you. Matip was, you know, if not the buy of the summer, um, you know, he was definitely one of the top buys uh, of last summer. Yeah, he's he's absolutely crucial. Um, how? Let's move up. Let's let's move up to the midfield now. Um, who was your George, midfield George Jefferson of the style? <laughs> Love it. 
Let's, who was your uh, midfield player of the season? Um, Let's include Lalana in that as well, in, in a midfield role. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll therefore pick Lalana. Um, it would be a close tie in the second half between he and Amber Jean. Just what Jean showed through the balance of the remaining fixtures. So, uh, but Lalana, the quality in the link up play, it's really tough to pick anybody but him. So, yeah, he, easy. He, he had a quality season, that's for sure. Painter, what do you got, man? Well, since most of our midfield was in and out um, for the majority of the season, uh, whether that was Jean on a bad run of form, Lalana beat with his injuries, and Hendo with his injuries. I'm going to go with Jeannie Wijnaldum. Um, I thought he was an absolute rock in that center of the park. Consistent week in, week out. Uh, He's some player for a £25 million uh, investment last summer. Uh, He played massive in every big game that Liverpool had. Uh, He was arguably, if not the man of the match, like the the second guy in line for the man of the match uh, award in all of our big games. So for me, it's uh, Jeannie Wijnaldum. I thought he was uh, fantastic. Uh, you can make arguments for any of the any of the four based on when they were healthy and playing uh, at top whack, but uh, I thought he was absolutely crucial to uh, our team this year. Yeah, both good shouts for sure. I um, I would probably pin. I was gonna also what's ball plus 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 he has the best uh, song uh, on the team by yeah, a wide. Oh. Person. <laughs> listen to that video for way too long uh, but yeah no it's they're they're both good shouts i you know for me genie wijnaldum in terms of consistency throughout the entire season was there he did go missing in some games uh where he would have you know half as many touches as like lovren and that was usually against kind of the worst teams and we had a lot of possession because he's he's definitely more of the break it up quick passing the guy who we can filter a lot of things through uh, and so the, usually we play that style more, you know, upbeat kind of when we're encounter counterattacking off the press when we're playing better teams who will come at us. Um, so I think that's why he went missing some of the games. But I mean, it's it's hard to argue. Painter, you said I mean he he scored and or assisted in a lot of the crucial games this season. He was just he was a great great player for us. It was crazy well, wait, how wait, he wait, still didn't have an away goal though. That's just insane. yeah. I know that's I that's mind blowing. The fact that um. The fact that he hasn't scored in two years and uh, on away ground, but but he's got but he's done a lot of assists on away grounds, which uh, again you can make an argument are every bit as crucial as goals. Um, you know, uh, is getting those assists uh, and putting the ball to the right people. So I I, I thought he was excellent, um, and I think he's only going to get better. I mean, it's only his first season with Liverpool, and he's 25. He's right in the wheelhouse to come into the prime of his career. Right, and and the thing is also is. He's never really played in that position, you know. Before he, on the national team for for uh, Netherlands, he plays in a in a midfield type role. But I mean, he uh, this is a little bit deeper than he's used to. He played for the wing a lot of the time, or as a number ten, or even sometimes as a striker for Newcastle. Klopp found his position, and he's doing an excellent job at it. Hal, uh, you had a great shout for uh, Lalana. I think Lalana has been really good this season. I his form did dip though. Uh, you know, post January, um, and, and didn't produce as much. Yet he still was a definitely a crucial part of linking the the defense and the attack for us. But if, if it's you know consistency, Genie Wijnaldum for me throughout the whole year. But I mean, in terms of just an overall impact, I would go Emre Chan because Hendo, someone who was playing a role for us where he was having the most passing passes in the league by far. 
he was leading in tackles, I think, too. And I know a lot of, some of those stats aren't, aren't great, but you, I mean, just the eye test as well. You were seeing how big of an impact he was having on our team, recycling the ball. Yes, sometimes you would want him to be a little bit more progressive in his passing, but in general, his influence on the team was, was obvious, and he was a big part of our team and why we were on a good run of form at the beginning of the season. Uh, but then his injuries come into play, and everyone's thinking, oh, you know, we are going to fall off a cliff without him. Uh, and in comes Emre Chan and just beasts the entire midfield. He did have a, a little bit of a poor run of form. We, we, it, the one knock on him, which I'll agree with, is after an injury, it does take him a little while to come back with. But he was also playing through a calf injury for a lot of the time. He, he wasn't playing fully fit. And just his influence on the team, I thought, was more impactful than, than Henderson's. Maybe not on the stat sheet, but just in terms of how he played when he's in that deep-lying role. Uh, and... obviously I'm a homer. Everyone knows that. I I think Emery Chan is an excellent player, and I hope hope he continues to start for us in that role next year. Um, But for me, the impact he had, especially in the the second half of the season, would be be Emery Chan. Uh, Let's go ahead and move forward. Painter, most influential attacker of the season, or I guess the player of the season for you. Well, I... Man, we have... Tough one, yeah. Yeah, we have three great options i i mean phil was magic um when he was healthy Firmino, i mean boy he's been some by for 29 million um you know over the last couple seasons i mean he's i i think I'm, i just love watching him play oh, he's yeah. so he's so amazing and the way he presses the ball and just never tires and just keeps running and running and running and then once he gets it He's just so sublime with it, uh, and just so silky. Uh, and Mane, I mean, you could make an argument that he's been Liverpool's best signing, you know, since Phil Coutinho um, back four years ago. So, man, I if I had to pick one, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go with uh, with with Firmino. Um, I absolutely thought he was crucial to the entire season um every big game you know he was the one leading the press leading the line uh he's not even his natural role to be honest with you and and he played out of position if 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 i was thinking about next year i'm thinking he's in the 10 mm-hmm. and we have mane you know like if we just looked at this year's team he's in the 10 You've got Mane and let's say Sturridge is back to uh, fit and firing or, or some other striker of Sturridge's ilk. And then Coutinho's off the left of the diamond and Lalana's off the right of the diamond with Chan sitting in the hole. That's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> um, with some, with that, some wing backs too. It's exciting. Yeah, that, that, yeah, with somebody that can actually cross the ball. Um, anyways, uh, but for me, it's Firmino. I thought he was uh, excellent all season and uh, I just, uh, I'm just, thrilled with him uh, as a whole but you can make an argument for any one of the three painter did not expect you to pick bobby firmino and i love <laughs> that choice i still think he's the most underappreciated and underrated player in the premier league still uh, and that goes just for a lot of people who don't watch liverpool and see how important he is to this team i think he is i know we always joke about the first name on the team sheet but i think he legitimately is the first name on klopp's team sheet because he just he does everything for us he, he could play honestly as, as a midfielder I think he's that talented and, and has that much to his game so great shot I mean just like you said you could argue any of uh, the three that we're probably thinking about right now who are you thinking about Hallett and not just to mix it up I mean wins above replacement I was 
persuaded by the great Chase Hazlip, looking at you know who means the most to the side when not on the side. Being a baseball guy of, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, we're U.S. Space Pod, right? <laughs> of course, we think this way. Yeah, it's got to be Mane. Uh, Mane before the injury, um, so first half unmistakable. The way he was able to stretch every de- defense down down the right side and challenge for the goal and his finishing ability, it, it's unmatched. And even brought brought us a lift coming back from AFCON. So he what he could have been consistent if he didn't go down with an injury, and that was unfortunate. But yeah, Mane for me. Yeah, I mean. I, I think we'd all agree probably the buy of the season. He was just excellent. He really gave us something that we didn't have. We didn't have a pacey winger, and not just a pacey winger. The guy can finish. He can play as a striker. He's quality, just pure mustard, and I freaking love the guy. I love Mane. I hope he recovers really well from that injury and comes back right into the lineup where— That's you know, that's a concern, right? I mean, yeah. ACL, AC, you know, any type of knee ACL for a pacey guy is right. always a concern. But, man, am I hoping he comes back ready to rock and roll at the same uh, the same pace that he had before the injury. He, he was fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, he is just such an excellent player. Um, and— uh, I mean, just you can see what he meant to the side when he when he went out. What we were missing. Um, so I'll, I'll just go with you know you can make an argument for any of these three. So I'm going to go with the third guy's Phil. Um, I mean Philly, 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 the little Brazilian magician. What else can you say? I mean he his form at the beginning of the season he was the best player in the Premier League. He he simply was the the injury, the ankle injury. Luckily, I mean it looked way worse than it was. Thank thank goodness. Um, but. You know, he didn't really come back to his top form and really started hitting it near the end of the season again, which is great knowing that he's going into next season, hopefully continuing this form. I mean, listen, he makes us tick. Uh, He's able to create something out of absolutely nothing. We saw that in a lot of games this season. He is our only competent free kick, uh, uh, set piece taker right now, which is just crucial for us. He's he's not (laughs) excellent, but really, he's the, I mean, he's really the only one that, that. You're right. Could could do that. And everybody get, else's shit, <laughs> right? I mean, and he had a couple nice free kicks this year as well, which could have been goals of the season. He just you you look to him to make something happen when when we're looking for a goal, um, and he he stopped a lot of his shooting like nonsense type shots outside of the box. You know, when when we're getting frustrated, he's near the end of the season. He got that. You can see that type of swagger and that like just confidence. He knows he's the guy now. He knows he's this good now. He's stepping into hopefully becoming a world-class player. Now he's going to definitely need to have another full season of top performance um, out of him. But he's definitely right now a top-class player. And, and hopefully that, that uh, will continue to next season. He can be consistent because he's just... I mean, everybody can see it. Everybody knows when, from any other team in the Premier League or any neutral fan, if, if, if they were to say, you know, who's the one player they want, it's either going to be probably, after this season, Monte Coutinho, but it, I think the first player that comes to people's minds is, is Coutinho. So, um, what position are you playing him in next season? Oh, he's, he's an eight. He, he's an eight. He, he, he is. He, it's, it's clear. When, when Rodgers moved him back there, he played better. He does better when he, he gets on the ball and he's able to just – pick up his head and look and create something. He's so good with the ball at his feet. His his mind is so fast. You see when him and Sturridge play together, how well they connect, and he's always looking for those runs. I think he's really the only player right now in our midfield that can just see that pass 
that none of the other players can. I think he has that extra little bit about him. And if, like, like you said, if you if you move him back and you either and and like for me it would be Emre Chan, uh, maybe like a four two three one, or you know, and you put him in the ten roll, or um, if you move in, him into a, in a in a three, I would have you know probably him and Wijnaldum on either side of the diamond with Emre sitting, and I, I think that would just be awesome. Um, so you know, Phil, Phil, I, I think we said you know we're, we're putting him as a left winger. Because he's simply there's nobody better at him in that position. Nobody you know who really comes close. Um, Mane's better on the right, and when you move Firmino out, it kind of takes a lot away from his game. So it's kind of either him or Rigi, and um, you know Phil's going to get the nod, obviously. So hopefully we'll see him move back. I think we can. I don't know about you guys. I, I think we all talked about it and agree he plays much better in a, in a midfield three. So I, I, I well, I think I, I think for for his game and where. He wants to take it. I think playing in a withdrawn part of the midfield like he was in the last couple games is such a big difference because he gets on the ball more. He has more time and space to look up. He doesn't always he, he doesn't have like a like a left back or a right back in his face as soon as he catches you know get gets the ball receives the ball. He's he's much more fluid in that space. The challenge that we're gonna have is. There's very few players that we have on our roster up top other than Sturge and Firmino that can actually play with him in that, you know, in that midfield role where they know are instinctive enough to make the runs. I think Mane is going to be able to do that as well when he comes back, though. We haven't seen Mane in the front so. role with, with Coutinho behind yet, really. No, so. we haven't. We haven't. And, and, and again, that hopefully will work as well. But I think I, think I would love to see us go out. And just get another pacey winger for that left side, sure. and then you have also well, you know, so Coutinho doesn't have to play there because Jesus, I he was so awesome um, back in that eight role. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we yeah, just like you said, I mean, it's when he you need him on the ball more because you know you look at a lot of the games and who has the most touches throughout the games, and a lot of the time it's not the players you want to have the most touches. You want Phil to be on the ball, so. You know, and, and his passing range and ability is only going to get better. And essentially, you put him there for a year, and Barcelona looks at him and goes, "Oh, there's there's uh, there's our practice run of seeing how he's going to fit in for Iniesta and just become the heir to Iniesta right there." So, Phil, uh, hopefully, we'll see him in the back. I mean, it's going to create even more competition for those spots, which is what we want, especially if the Nabi Keita rumors are true, and and hopefully we get someone of his ilk as well, and he's young, so. It, We'll go into the transfers as the, as the upcoming you know pods come and, and the more news that that we get with these players. Um, but let's go ahead and finish it out with a couple more questions, guys. Favorite save of the season. Favorite save of the season. Hallett, what do you got? Uh, both the saves in Stoke away towards the end of the season. <laughs> you could argue Mignolet really Huge. saved us. You know. Wasn't a, a cold night, even afternoon at Stoke. It ended up being something <laughs> to celebrate. So, God bless the guy. And I think nothing more typifies like how much progress he had made than those two saves. I mean, of course, he's a shot stopper, but it was, you know, Painter talked about him winning an extra points for the club. I mean, that winning ten extra points or more, that was certainly an example of that. So that that, that was, was the game for me. That was certainly three of them right there, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Yeah, he was he was lights out for sure. Uh, what do you got, brother? What do you got, Painter? Uh, it was a tough choice because he made a lot of big saves th- uh, this season. But for me, 
It was the penalty save on Diego Costa when we tied Chelsea one uh, one. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that was a massive, massive, massive save uh, that saved us, uh, you know, got us a point and, uh, you know, continued our uh, unbeaten streak against the top sides in the league. But I thought that penalty save against uh, Costa was massive. Yeah, that was huge. And that kept our, like you said, the, ru- the run uh, for beating the top teams up. I'm going to go, let's see, Carius against Redmond um, against Southampton, I think was a very important, huge save for us. Just fucking around. We're not going to go with Carrius save. <laughs> I was going to say, um, I was like, "Where's this coming from?" <laughs> um, I, I'll just I'll spin zone it real quick, and I'll just go every one of his punches in general. Like Mignolet, one thing that he really needed to improve on were, were his his punching coming out for crosses. I don't. Yes, I would much rather you be able to catch it and be a little bit more commanding in that way. But if you just punch it out, don't cause any because we're you know Liverpool are terrible with the second ball inside the box. Uh, everyone just looks around and watches the ball while usually it ends up in the back of the net uh, against us. So him being able to prevent a lot of those situations this year where he just comes out, is a little bit more aggressive, um, and, and punches the ball away, I think w- it was huge for him this season. So I'll just go with that general, um, you know, as many as uh, of those as he had because it, it definitely, definitely improved. Let's go ahead and go on a goal of the season, gentlemen. The goal of the season, it seems relatively obvious what it could be. Um, so maybe if you have another one besides the Emre Chan one, um, you can talk about that if you'd like because it deserves endless praise. But it seems like that was pretty much the obvious goal of the season. So talk about that one if you'd like. But if you have another one, please go with that one as well. How, what do you got? Yeah, screw you guys with the late season goal. I know what you're going to pick, but I'm going Henderson away at Chelsea, oh, yeah. September 16th. That screamer from the top Damn of it. the 18-yard uh, box. That was beautiful. <laughs> that first touch on that too to just set it up for yep. that. Oh, beautiful goal! Absolutely beautiful goal. Good. Too shot. bad it'll be hit his last in a Liverpool shirt, but it was <laughs> great. Great for the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Painter, what do you got? Well, he took mine, um, but, you know, I got to go, uh, ah, man. Um, Sorry, Paints. Yeah, no, you, you stumped me here. Um, there was a lot of great goals, as you mentioned. Um, I think 92 in total, I think, for the season. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 78 in the Premier League, so uh, lots to choose from. Um, for me, though, I, I'm going to hearken all the way back to the first game of the season. No, against, don't do it. <laughs> against don't Arsenal. <laughs> and uh, and Mane Mane, oh, oh. You, what a goal! Oh. <laughs> what an absolute worldie! I mean that the ball down the side, he beats two players. I mean, I think he beat beat Bellerin on that one, didn't he? Um, who's all sorts of uh, pacey, but and then just tucks it in the top corner. <laughs> no was, big deal. I mean, I thought it was I thought it was absolutely world class. And that basically just cemented Mane uh, as as a fan favorite for the rest of the season. Such I thought it was a awful. ridiculous goal! Oh my goodness, it, it was insane. That was oh, that was I mean, he literally split two players, two Arsenal players on the edge of the box, and took it up uh, from an angle and beat Klopp, or beat uh, Czech into the top corner, and then he rides off on Klopp like he just uh, won the Kentucky Derby, which is <laughs> <laughs> so nasty. Yeah. Um, 
Oh, man, there there are a lot of lots to choose from. Uh, I I love Firmino's against Stoke when he just connected on that volley. I think that was a pass from Genie and just not? Oh, that was such a nasty goal. Uh, Phil had a couple really nice free kicks. One against Palace. One against Arsenal this year. Those were oof, love Phil. One against uh, Middlesbrough. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Too many uh, to count. Yeah, he's he's definitely been improving uh, in that sense. Coutinho's. He had a hammer against Hull this season, too. I believe it was Hull. That was a ridiculous goal. Um, there are a lot to choose from. Um, since none of you talked about Emery, I'm just going to talk about, or just wax lyrical about how ridiculous that was. Obviously, he can't, like, everyone's like, oh, and he, he put the bend on it and the curl on it. Like, yeah, he did that. I obviously didn't mean to. You can't, <laughs> you're in the middle there. You're just going to whack the ball as hard as you can. It just ended up being one out of a million that he connects like that. But still, I mean, what a freaking goal. And a crucial goal, too, I mean, against Watford. I mean, we really needed one there. So I think because of its importance, too, that's just got to be up there. Uh, definitely up there. Skill and importance. Um, before we end here, let's talk about a couple more things. First off, gentlemen, how amazing are these new Liverpool red kits? They are maybe my favorite, maybe ever, maybe. I mean, not, uh, not, I mean at least the last decade, for sure. Yeah, we went to the we went to the Irish American um, obviously to watch uh, the Middlesbrough game, and I, I was surprised at how many people had already purchased these new kits. Yeah. And I I got so I got a lot of firsthand uh, views of these kits. They're awesome. I love them. I'm definitely getting one before the start of next season. I'm waiting to see who we buy before I pick what jersey number I'm going to get with what player. But yeah, they're amazing. Full stop. Awesome. I'm wearing mine right now. I'm just like, dude, of all the kits, the modern kits that can make Doug Leash jealous. I think this is the one. So yeah, that that dark red. Oh, it's just it's just class. It looks so nice. Um, all right, gents, let's go with a couple more before we end. If you had to pick a formation going into next season, because uh, you know Klopp before he came here played a lot of four two three one. When he came here, instantly went to the four three three. Uh, we saw the diamond at the end of the season. I know a lot of teams are going with three at the back. So if we get another really solid defender and maybe a, a, a wing back, um, there are a lot of possibilities and opportunities here. So if you had to pick a formation, you know, given that it's going to change throughout the season, but if you had to start with one next year, um, what would you go with, Painter? I go with options, right? Uh, I think what Klopp learned this season was he needs options, right? Especially against teams, right? Uh, certain teams. So I think next season, I wouldn't be surprised with him sticking with the four-three-three against the top teams uh, like the Chelsea's, Cities, and so on, and then playing two strikers against the Diamond with Phil sitting deep. Uh, I think that gives us more creativity to cut teams open and break down uh, the back uh, the back ten, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, so I think he's going to go with a multi-system. Uh, team uh, depending on the opponent but I think he starts out the big games in the 4-3-3 uh, unless he goes and gets a belter of a striker where he can go uh, 4-2-3-1 uh, like he did at Dortmund I don't think he has that striker to to do that right now so um, that's how I think we set up all right yeah fair absolutely what do you got how I was about the same so I would like to see the 4-2-3-1 it's all dependent on personnel and Lacazette, if you're listening to the Talk On podcast, bro, <laughs> forget about Real. Come to Liverpool. That'd be great. Yeah, it's the quality that we were able to achieve in the summer. And 
I, I I trust Klobbitus' word that he's done the work. So, you know, hopefully we see quality come in the front. We need it. So I, I think four two three one's desired. I think we end up four three three likely. And then Joey, to your point about three in the back. I think we need two quality defenders to support that. I mean, it would be nice to be able to shift to that formation, but I mean, I'm pretty solid with with two. If we're able to get another center back in, a Van Dyke, a Ta, pretty please. Can't wait for your transfer pod. Just to throw that out. Yeah, it's finally we can get excited about transfers, right? In the past couple of years, we haven't exactly been that way, but <laughs> we're able to now. There's no excuses right now, and going to get the top talent. So. Um, Going to be looking forward to that for sure. Uh, I agree with what you you guys both said. I, I'm under. I would like to be under the impression that we're getting another winger type player that could start for us. So if you want the four three three, you could have Monty on the right, that new winger on the left, Cough Douglas Costa Cough, um, <laughs> and then Firmino up top, and, and um, you know drop Phil in the midfield. You can go four two three one like you said. I, anything that involves f- for me right now. Uh, knowing that the players we do have, I, I would like to see Chan and Genie in the midfield next year. Whether it's a two, I think they'd work really well in a two and a four-two-three-one, or whether it's in a three and a four-three-three, um, or part of the diamond with with uh, Phil and Genie on either side. I think both those players for me right now need to be starting in the midfield next year. So um, any any one of those, you know, and it, a lot of it's going to depend on the personnel, like you said, but. Painter, I, I agree with you against the top teams. That four-three-three was very very successful. So I would like to continue with that. Um, all right, gentlemen, uh, let's go into just quick. We, we talked about obviously this year and, and how our expectations at the bare minimum were met in terms of a top four finish. What do you expect from Liverpool next season? What would be deemed a successful season? Uh, that includes all the competitions because we are going to be in a lot of them. Uh, what, what would you be, what would be successful for you next year? Um, w- with the outcome, Hallett. I think you have to settle again on a top four finish. It remains to be seen if we get the personnel in the summer, if we're going to be able to put together a squad that can compete, just not just for Premier League, but in the domestic cups, as well as actually challenge and get to the knockout stages of Champions League would be fantastic and certainly get past the the play-in that we've got ahead of us, Sporting Lisbon, Hoffenheim, whoever we end up with. So I think top four has got to be the objective. I'd like to see us win a domestic cup. I mean, it's about fucking time. (laughs) We've been waiting a long time for a domestic trophy. We'd like to see it. It needs to happen. But so much depends on transfers. So let's speculate like crazy on the next Talk On podcast with Joey and Dave, I believe. And, yeah, it's all dependent on what we're able to put together in terms of squad. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's definitely true, and, and a lot of competition is gonna gonna be a lot of we're gonna need a deeper squad, that's for sure. So I'm sure we will be thinking a little differently, hopefully after the summer. Painter, what do you got, man? What what expectations do you have for this team next year? <clears throat> well, I, I, top four again, right? So we need to start building that into <laughs> what Arsenal had for the last eighteen, twenty years, right? Consistency in the, in achieving top four in Champions League uh, because that's how you build you know, long-term success. So I think that's goal number one. Goal number two, as Jeff mentions, um, getting back in the winning ways of uh, some silverware would be, uh, would be another goal or objective I would have, whether that's a League Cup, FA Cup, 
or help just win the just win the league. Uh, those would all work for me. Uh, I do think we're gonna, you know, I do think some European nights at Anfield uh, in the knockout phases. I'd like to see us get to a quarterfinal. Uh, if you know, if Leicester can get to a quarterfinal this year, given how they were playing, there is no reason why we can't get ourselves to a quarterfinal. So I think. If I had to summarize it, quarterfinal in the Champions League, domestic trophy uh, of some sort, and again, top four finish. That's what I'm holding as the goals for next season. Yeah, it seems both of you guys have, I think, really realistic um, goals and, and objectives that you want to reach. The, I agree with you guys, top four finish needs to be at a minimum again. Obviously, we all want to win the league. That's the number one trophy we would have right now, all three of us at least. Uh, it's just, it's so hard to know with injuries and the way things go out, how any competition is really going to go, especially the league though, especially, and you know, there's so much parity and a lot of team, you know, it's just a different league than it is now, even in the last, you know, five, 10 years. So uh, with the, a lot of the, the TV money coming in and, uh, you know, I think Klopp has learned a lot in how to play against different teams. So hopefully we can do better, especially because I think when he first came here, he said, if we don't win a league within the next four years or whatever it was, then you know, I, I would call that a failure or whatever, you know, something along those lines. So hopefully he can live up to that. But I might be crazy. I think we can we can get to the semis in the Champions League with the style of play that we have. Um, yeah, baby. I, mean, I'm, I'm, I, I don't disagree with you, Joe. I, th- I think that's a real, real possibility. I think it's a – yeah, I, I th- some people may think that's crazy, but – these teams aren't teams that sit back. These aren't the teams that we have trouble with. First of all, Liverpool is at home in this competition. We are the epitome, the, the English team that is, has won the most European Cups. So it's it's this is Liverpool's competition. It's their bread and butter. As well as I just the style of play that we have. We, we play better against the teams that come to attack us. I think our pressing style and counterattacking style for, for these games would, would be perfect. So I don't... It's not that I expect us to get to the semis. I actually think there's a very good possibility of that happening. Um, I would hope, I, I would think at least the quarters for sure. Just like you said, if Leicester can get to the fucking quarters, then why couldn't we? So a lot of it's going to come up against the draw, but um, you know, if we qualify, but I could definitely see us advancing pretty far into this competition. And just like you said, Painter, European nights at Anfield again, especially with the the main stand. It's it's I can't I cannot wait to see this and then hopefully go to one. So. Gentlemen, appreciate you getting on for the final season review. We're gonna. This isn't the end of of uh, the talk on podcast. Uh, you know, we're gonna continue to go ahead and do some, especially as transfer news comes through. Um, Dave and I are hoping to get the uh, transfer pot out soon, um, so it's, it's still gonna have a lot to talk about. Um, and appreciate you guys getting back on. Where can we find you on Twitter, Painter? Yeah, it's Brian underscore Painter. Uh, and uh, that's Brian with a Y. Love it. And Hallett, my man, what do you got? Uh, Jeff underscore Hallett with two L's and two T's. And I just wanted to say a quick message to all of our listeners that have been with us for the entire season. Thanks for hanging. Thanks for listening. And there's, I think we're just going to pick up more as we go into the new year and over the summer as Joey's looting. So talk, talk on podcast, I think, is only going to get better from this point. It's been a good year. Yeah, absolutely, and we're definitely uh, going to have some more writing on the website at footballpurists.com coming up. Um, a lot of exciting things coming for for uh, Football Purists and, and, and the Talk On Pod. So you guys can follow us at Football Purists on Twitter. You can go to the website, again, footballpurists.com. You can find this 
uh, podcast on Twitter at TalkOnFP. Find me on Twitter at JVishni. And by any chance, any Chicago sports fans out there, uh, host a Chicago sports podcast uh, on Twitter. You can find us at The Windy City Way. Um, gentlemen, it's again, it's finally nice to have some positivity, feeling some positivity. And, <laughs> Champions League! The Champions uh, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So um, it's definitely nice to have that feeling again. Um, and appreciate you all getting on. And as always, talk on, gents. Talk on. Talk on, talk on.